PlushCare provides virtual doctor appointments through your smartphone or computer. What's more social distance than that? Head over to plushcare.com forward slash brain. That's plushcare, P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com forward slash brain and learn how seeing a doctor is now only a few clicks away. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, I got an interesting topic today that I was actually going to read on my other podcast, Love and Abuse, about emotionally abusive relationships and toxic communication and poisonous behavior. If you're interested in anything like that, head over to loveandabuse.com. However, today I'm going to read you a message that I got for that show that I'm going to read on this show. (laughs) So uh, I don't know if I said that right, but it's going to happen no matter what. The message has to do with who started the argument and healthy versus unhealthy communication. What is the best way to express yourself, especially when you're in an argument? And I know I didn't talk about this, or I did talk about this not too long ago. It might have been on this show on, I don't know, healthy ways to argue. I, I talk about a lot of stuff all the time. So if you ever hear me repeat myself, just look at it as another way to convey the message, the same message, but in a way that maybe uh, it helps as opposed to something else that you heard on this show before that didn't help. So let me see if I can make it work, (laughs) see if I can make this letter work for you. Uh, This message comes from someone I'll just call Jane and Jane writes, and I'll, I'll explain a few things as I read this. Jane writes, I recently started listening to your podcast and downloaded the mean workbook The workbook score was 114, which didn't come as too much of a surprise to me because I felt mistreated for years now. So the mean workbook, let me just explain, is available at loveandabuse.com. And what it is, is it helps you determine the level of control, manipulation, and abuse or emotional abuse in your relationship. And it typically goes toward romantic relationships, but you can use it for any relationship and a score of 114 out of about 203 items that will reflect abuse and manipulation in a relationship is the score that she receives. So I think that's like a class. I have like four classes in that workbook, A, B, C, and D. So I think that's class C that she received. And, you know, that's up there. That Class C is up there. The higher the score, the worse your situation is and you are probably experiencing some major form of toxic behavior or emotional abuse of some sort. So she's writing to me and telling me this, and I definitely sympathize because 114 is high. That means that you're dealing with a lot of crap, and you're dealing with a lot of stuff that uh, it's very hard to deal with. So um, thank you for sharing that. We're going to read the rest of this email now. She says, I have only one question. I'm having a really hard time figuring out Who started it? I know that I use some of the manipulation tactics when I'm in defense mode, but I feel that my husband would say that my behavior is what causes his outbursts. Let me give you an example of a typical argument. He always starts the fight, and she put quotes around starts and fight. I am very conflict averse, and I hate to fight. Even when I'm upset about something, I'll usually justify it in my mind and let it go. Not good, I know. He will usually approach me to let me know that I've forgotten to do something or not shown him proper appreciation for something. He will say, you don't love me because if you did, you wouldn't have forgotten this. Or something like, 
if you really appreciated me, you would act differently. There is usually some name-calling and or, at the very least, the implication that I'm selfish, irresponsible, stupid, narcissistic, and the list goes on and on. In the past, he would yell, but over the years, he has gotten better about that. Now he tries to speak softly, but his words still feel like he's attacking me. It's always, you did this, and that means you are this. Insert anything to make me feel horrible about myself. I believe that he has his own insecurities, and he has acknowledged that he has abandonment issues. I believe that although I know I'm not forgetting things on purpose, I have ADHD, so that makes things even worse, he takes it as if he is my last priority. If my opinion differs from his, or if I'm busy and keeping up with life, he feels neglected, he feels distanced, and he wants to pull me closer. However, he goes about it by accusing me of terrible things and criticizing me. So back to my original question. What if I am the reason for his bad behavior? What if his complaints are justified and I'm the one not treating him with enough sensitivity? Okay, great question. And uh, what did I call you, Jane? Jane, I'm going to answer your question in a moment, but I just wanted to say something before we go to a quick break, and that is something that you said at the beginning, which really stood out. Where was it? Or you said a couple things, actually, that I wanted to comment on. You said one thing that said, I feel that my husband would say that my behavior is what causes his outbursts. I have a problem with the way that's worded, not because you worded it that way, but because it's probably making you feel like you're to blame for him behaving badly. And I don't look at it that way. When someone behaves badly, they are not doing so because you are the cause, but you are the stimulus. In other words, a stimulus creates a response, and his stimulus is the way you behave. But you are not the cause of the way he behaves because clearly he can choose to behave differently because you already said that in your message. He has now no longer yelling. He is treating you differently, but he is doing so in sort of a more covert way, maybe a passive-aggressive way or maybe actively aggressive, but he just does it in a quieter tone. So we can already look at this and say he has a choice on how to respond, and we're going to address that choice when we come back from the break, but the choice is there, and he is choosing to respond in this way, which means you are not the cause of his response. You are the stimulus, which means he is emotionally triggered by your behavior. That might mean you forget to wash the dishes one night, and he gets triggered, and now he behaves badly, which is a choice that he's doing because we already established that he has a choice because he already knows how to react differently. And he's choosing to do behavior that is hurtful. So we need to make sure that he is taking responsibility for that. I am taking responsibility for the behavior I have. Now, I'm not saying if he's right or wrong about what he's saying. I'm just saying that his behavior is hurtful. And that is important. That is important to know because you are hurt by it. You also say that you do behavior that is hurtful or manipulative. I don't think you said hurtful, but I know you said manipulative when you are defensive. And that is common too. I would say that you also have a choice to do that. Although when we are triggered, it is much less of a choice. Or at least it seems that way. So I'll give both of you that. When you are triggered your unconscious response usually kicks in, but you can consciously hold back or say something differently or say it in a different way, say it with a different tone, say it with love, even though you feel like hating or hurting. There is that in there. We're going to talk about that, but the first thing I wanted to address is that you are not the cause. That would be like saying, okay, you caught me. I cheated on you and I'm sorry, but I wouldn't have needed to do that if we had sex more often. And that's his only reason. That would be like saying that. I cheated because we didn't have enough sex. That could be true. I mean, the statement could be true. It still doesn't make it right. And it still doesn't make you the cause. Because that was a conscious choice he made. If he were to say that to you. If that situation 
turned out this way. So we can't really say that you are the cause. You are the stimulus. You probably help activate his emotional trigger. The emotional trigger is something inside of him, something he's held on to, something that he hasn't resolved or healed from yet. That is the cause. That inside of him is the cause. How he handles communicating what he feels to you is also the cause of his responses. So there's a lot of responsibility that he's not taking and putting on you that he needs to take. That's my first observation with this. The second observation, it sounds like he's choosing to not accept the fact that you are probably forgetful. He's not accepting that you do have ADHD. He's not accepting that you do have a type of personality that might just get busy in her work or busy doing something else and you're not intentionally trying to forget him or hurt him or anything like that. It sounds like your behavior has always been that way and he just doesn't like it. So he has a judgment about it because it affects him because maybe you forget something important to him which again is an emotional trigger for him. And if he has abandonment issues, he's going to feel neglected and unloved and rejected. And that's going to affect how he treats you. In a perfect world, it wouldn't, but this isn't a perfect world. So we have relationships and this is what happens. And so he gets affected by your behavior, your personality quirks. And that shows a lack of acceptance for who you are and how you show up. That doesn't mean you probably shouldn't set a reminder on your phone and try to make up for some things that perhaps you're not strong in and do what you can, but it shouldn't be something that he continuously takes out on you because he knows the type of personality that you have, or at least your quirks. When somebody knows your quirks and they refuse to accept it, and then they blame you for those quirks, Whose fault is that? <laughs> if I mean, my girlfriend, she admits that she has ADHD. She admits that when she says, I'm going to be on the computer for five minutes and four hours later, uh, I see her because <laughs> she couldn't get away from the computer. I look at that and say, well, I know she's going to do that. I know it. I accept it. This is who she is. This is who she's always been. This is who she was when we first met. I'm just going to be a few minutes. I'm just going to do this for five minutes. I'll make dinner in 30 minutes. And time slips away, and it's almost always past the time by the time she's ready. And I've just accepted that's who she is. Now, there are certain things I'll say to her. I'll remind her. I'll ask her. And I'll keep reminding her. And I'll say, are you still making dinner? Or should I do something? And I think that's a healthy way to ask when you have somebody that is forgetful or has ADD or ADHD and can't necessarily get back on track on things easily or forgets things. So I think it's helpful to have a partner that not only understands the personality quirks of their partner, but also accepts the personality quirks of their partner and then doesn't give them any grief about their quirks. That doesn't mean you can't work something out. It doesn't mean that maybe you should try a different system, but we do have to get past the acceptance part. We have to get that out of the way first. So those are the two things that stand out to me is the first one, which is him thinking you're the cause for his outbursts. And the second one, which is accepting our partners or the people in our lives, their quirks and not expecting them to show up in any other way. It's that definition of insanity. We expect different results every time when they show up the same way every time. Why, why would we expect different results? We shouldn't. So we have to come to a level of acceptance of who someone is and not expect anything more. And that's tough because we want more a lot of the times. We want more from someone when some people aren't capable of giving more. Or maybe we think they're capable, so we might maybe, I don't know if the words project onto them, their capability, because obviously we could do it. Why can't they do it? We would remember their birthday. We would remember this. We would remember that. Why wouldn't they? So when you have this mentality or this thought process that you would do something, why don't they do something, then we're not giving them enough credit for who they are. 
We're not allowing them to be who they are. It's a judgment. It's wanting more of the person than the person is. That doesn't mean they can't show up as more. That doesn't mean that they will never show up as more or do the things that you want them to do. But there are definitely healthier ways to get to that point where you can communicate well enough and get along very well, even when you have these opposing personalities, without bringing our emotional baggage into the mix. This person who wrote Jane, she has emotional baggage because she gets defensive. She's not sure how to handle those situations because now she's being put down or belittled and she doesn't want to feel that way, so she gets defensive. She knows she's better than that. She knows she's a good person. So, of course, you're going to be defensive. You want to defend yourself because you don't want to be put down, especially by somebody you love. You don't want to be put down by somebody you love, so she gets defensive and she knows she's doing the best she can. And she believes she's doing the best she can. And, of course, it sounds like he has baggage, too. He has this emotional trigger that he's working on, uh, or maybe he's not, or maybe he thinks he's right, so there's nothing to work on. I I did that for years. I used to think I was right, so why bother working on myself? She just needs to change, because I believed I was right. I believed there was nothing wrong with me, or at least in certain contexts, there was nothing wrong with me in that context. She needs to change. And so I made her life miserable. Not my current relationship, but in past relationships. That's how I showed up. Well, there's nothing I need to change. It's all her. She needs to change. She needs to fix herself. And then we'll be happy. That's like one of the worst things you can do in a relationship, is not take any responsibility, point your finger at them, and expect them to change and fix things and improve themselves and heal because you're taking yourself out of the formula of what makes a relationship in the first place. An equal partnership where both people work on things, even when you believe you don't have anything to do with it. Because you're supposed to be vulnerable. You're supposed to allow the people you love to see your weaknesses and the people you trust to see your vulnerabilities so that you can address them and be open-minded about them and make sure that You're addressing things that you yourself can't see because you don't walk around with an objective mirror all the time thinking about how you can improve yourself. I mean, a lot of us don't. A lot of us don't walk around objectively thinking about how we can show up differently, how we should have said something differently, how we should have acted differently. Some of us do. Some of us are always questioning ourselves and other people don't. A lot of us don't. A lot of us don't have to do that all the time because we reach a point where I know how to act. I don't need to look at that anymore. I already know how to act. So I'm just going to keep acting the way I act, and anyone has a problem with that, it's their problem. Some people show up like that. I think there's a balance we can reach where we say to ourselves, I've gotten this far in life, and I'm doing pretty well, and my relationships are good, so maybe there's not much I need to look at. However... If someone's upset about something I said, maybe I should look at that in myself because I'm part of that. I am part of that formula. I'm in the mix. I'm in that line of communication. So even though I believe I didn't do anything wrong, maybe I can look at that and think about how to approach it differently next time. That's taking responsibility. That's allowing yourself to be vulnerable and letting other people see you right through you and staying open-minded in the things that you might need to work on. And so that can be helpful, too. And um, I'm going to go into a break here, but when we come back, I want to talk about her question, which is, am I the reason for his bad behavior? And I sort of already addressed that, but what if his complaints are justified and I'm the one not treating him with enough sensitivity? We're going to talk about that when we get back, and especially his responses, because that will be the most important aspect of what I talk about regarding this letter because his responses definitely need some work. (laughs) So we'll talk about that when we get back right after this. I think one of the coolest things about listening to a podcast is that you get introduced to products and services that you may never have 
looked up yourself or heard of yourself unless somebody told you about it. And that's what I like to do. I like to tell you about things that I find that are show up on my doorstep that come through email. And sometimes I make arrangements to have somebody sponsor the show. And it's so nice when something comes along that A, I've never heard of, B, I didn't think uh, was even possible, <laughs> and uh, C, be able to share it with you, hoping that maybe you've never heard of this either and hoping it helps you. And this is one of those services that I know fits the first two criteria. The third one, I don't know. We'll just have to find out if you've ever heard of them. It's a company called Plush Care. Plush Care provides virtual doctor appointments through your smartphone or computer. You heard me mention it at the beginning of the show. Uh, what you do is you pick a time that works for you and you book an appointment right online. You don't have to sit on hold. You don't have to wait forever to make an appointment. Uh, you don't even have to leave the house. You don't have to sit in a crowded waiting room wearing a face mask hoping you're not exposed to who knows what. I remember not too long ago I made an appointment with my uh, primary care physician and the appointment turned out to be something very simple that I could have done on the phone or I could have done a video chat. And in fact, it just turned out that I had to make another appointment with a specialist. So I drove all that way just to make another appointment. <laughs> so I didn't need to go. This is why I like this service. With Plush Care, you can be diagnosed, treated, and even have a prescription sent to your pharmacy of choice, if needed, within minutes. They accept most major insurance carriers and they're available in all 50 U.S. states. And I got to tell you, the doctors care. They're there to help you and discuss treatment options and provide prescriptions, like I said. And they're available anytime you have questions. And if you ever need a, a regular checkup or have questions about your mental health, Plush Care doctors are there. It's super easy to schedule an appointment. It was very convenient. And to be able to do a video call with somebody and just talk about what's wrong, show them what's wrong. You know, I can't move my arm. This is what's happening. You can do it right online. I mean, today's day and age, it's so much more convenient. It's so much easier. It's so much safer to do it over video than it is in person. And of course, there are benefits to doing it in person. But why not do this? I mean, why bother going in when you can just do it from the comfort of your car, or your home, or wherever? I highly recommend you check them out. I want you to go to plushcare.com forward slash brain. That's plushcare, P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com forward slash brain. Check out this service today with plushcare. I don't put off seeing a doctor and neither should you. No more excuses. Make your appointment today. Go to plushcare.com forward slash brain. Welcome back. Going to get back to this letter from Jane and her questions and his responses. Uh, her question was, what if I am the reason for his bad behavior? I pretty much addressed that in the last segment with the stimulus and the reaction of that stimulus. So I'm not going to address that again. But then you said, what if his complaints are justified and I'm the one not treating him with enough sensitivity? We can look at that and we can say, all right, Jane, you might need to work on your insensitivity. My first question to you would be, are you insensitive? I'm going to say you're probably not. I'm going to say you're probably not insensitive because the way you explained things in your letter, you made it sound like this is just kind of my personality. I just forgetful and I do things. And I've got ADHD and I get involved with things and I don't know what to do about that. It's just the way I am. This is a personality quirk, again, that probably he needs to accept about you. And if he did, his life would be a lot easier. His life would be a whole lot easier because oh, that's just who she is. It would be kind of funny to him. But you are both dealing with possible personality characteristics that aren't complementary. You have someone that is forgetful that is with someone who needs to be remembered this is someone who absolutely wants to be remembered, who wants to be the um, star in your eyes. I might be exaggerating a little bit, and I apologize if I am, but let's just say that was him. He was very clingy. He needs to know that he was loved and that you weren't going to leave him. And one of the ways to do that is to not forget him or remember things like if you make a promise to him or commit to do something and you don't do it, he might feel like it's disrespectful toward him. 
So are you insensitive? I don't know. Is there a way to show up better in that area? Could be. Like I said, set a reminder on your phone. Put sticky notes on your desk. I don't know. Should you have to? That's the next question. (laughs) Should you have to? That depends. You need to get some sort of commitment from him as well that you're both working on this. I believe this is a two-person thing because if only you do this, then what's happening is you are giving in to his hurtful behavior. This is hurtful behavior that he's doing. I want to get into that. What is his hurtful behavior? Because there might be some people listening now that say, what if she forgets things? That's not right. This is important. When you're in a relationship, you should remember. You should remember anniversaries. You should remember birthdays. You should remember anything that's important to the other person, or at least most things. I get that. It's nice. It would be great. But if you've not been with somebody who has ADHD and they don't intend to forget, they may not even have systems in place to help them remember. And also they get sucked into something. Time goes by because a lot of them don't really pay attention to time and don't even think about it. They become so myopically focused on their task that they don't realize how much time goes by. Or they just think, I'm just going to do it for another 30 seconds. And 30 seconds turns into two hours and they don't even realize that went by. This is one of those, oh, that's how she is. I need to accept that. And when you have somebody in your life like that, you can either continue putting them down for the way they are, or you can be more helpful. And so this is one of the issues I have with her partner here is that he could be more helpful instead of hurtful. Let me talk about the hurtful part. What she says he says are things like, if you really appreciated me, you would act differently. Oh, that, that hurts. That's, that's really hurtful because she probably does appreciate him. Now she has no choice but to say, of course I appreciate you. But he's already said something that she really can't have a defense for. This is one of those binding statements I've talked about in another episode where you're damned if you do or you're damned if you don't. If you really loved me, you would have remembered this. It's a binding statement. There's no way out of it. It can be a manipulative statement that causes you to feel bad no matter what your defense is. Because in order to even defend yourself against that statement, there is something in the statement that presupposes you don't love the person. And let me explain that a little bit. There are things that people can say in a certain way that cause you to agree with something inadvertently without even knowing you're doing it. So the statement, if you loved me, you would have done this instead, presupposes that you don't love the person. If you loved me, you would have done this. There's a presupposition in there that was either consciously or unconsciously placed in that sentence that tells the other person, no matter what, you don't love me. If you loved me, you would have done this. But because you didn't do this, it's clear that you don't love me. There's no defense to that. It paints you into a corner and you have no way out. And it's unfair because what they've done is generalize your love for them based on a single thing. Now, there may be other things that compound and make it worse, but they're purposefully generalizing your love for them on a single event. And in order to say yes or no to that, it presupposes that you don't love them. So before you even answer... If you even answer to that, whether you say yes or no, it's basically agreeing that you don't love them. That's a mind F. (laughs) It really is. And I, I don't mean to laugh about that, but it really is a crazy way to corner someone and make them feel rotten. Yes, it can be considered emotional abuse because it's forcing the other person in a position that isn't true for them because I'm going to believe that this person really loves her partner, but he's saying, you don't love me, because if you did, you would have done this. Basing it on that one thing. So clearly all the other stuff that you did that shows that you love me doesn't really apply. Only this thing 
applies. Now, he may not have meant that, but it is stated that way. That is the presupposition. That's what it's called, a presupposition. I talked about this in uh, one of my Facebook groups. So when you're presented with a presupposition, i.e., you don't love me because of this, you really can't win the argument if you say yes or no. There's just no way out of it. Now, there is a way to respond to presupposing statements like this. If anyone ever says to you, because you do this, it means that, one of the responses you can give is in the form of a question like, so is that all it means? So you're not saying yes, you're not saying no, but you are asking the question, is that all it means? So if he said, because you forgot, it means you don't love me, and she said, is that all it means? Is that the only thing it means that I don't love you? It'll force him to think about it. It'll force him to think, well, you know, it means other things too. It means that you, you know, always forget things. And if he says that, now it's not only about that one thing. Now we've opened his mind a little bit to expand it because if he said, you know, you always do this, which is another generalization, you don't always do it, I'm sure, but we can at least expand it beyond not doing this means you don't love me, the A equals B syndrome. And when we open his mind to break it apart even further, we can talk about more. Okay, yeah, you're right. I do this a lot. I don't always do it. I mean, you can even ask that. Oh, I always do this like every single time. But, you know, now you get into so many details, it'll be a crazy conversation and someone will get upset. <laughs> but you can certainly say, is that all it means? You can also answer it another way. I would highly recommend you don't answer it in a yes or no way. Because yes or no acknowledges that you don't love him. I mean, just the way the sentence is structured. You forgetting this means you don't love me. If you say, no, that's not true, or yes, that is true, either way, you're being painted into a corner, which means you have to answer it differently, and maybe you answer it with a question, like I said already. Is that all it means? Or you can ask another question. But what you want to do is ask a question that has to do with the main subject of the sentence. And I know I'm getting a little technical here, and I'm, I apologize, but I'm hoping to give you some tools so that you're not always giving the same responses that paint you into that corner I'm talking about. So you don't want to be painted into a corner where no matter what you do, it's clear that you don't love me because you wouldn't have done that if you loved me. So you want to ask questions. You think that me forgetting means I don't love you? I mean, how about that question? You think that when I forget this, it has something to do with how much love I have for you? That's the kind of answers you want to have. You want to question their binding questions. You really think I don't love you because I forgot this? And you might have to explain, this has nothing to do with how much I love you, but I did forget, and that's bad on me, so here's what I'm going to do to make up for that. That's how a conversation could go, for sure. You could have a different conversation instead of just becoming defensive and saying, no, no, of course I love you. I'll do better next time, I promise. You want to keep your composure and try not to be emotionally triggered so that you can challenge their belief about you. And this is tough. I know it's tough to think about it in the moment, but when you hear a belief come out of their mouth, like, I believe you don't love me because of this, you want to challenge that belief. You really believe I don't love you because of this? I mean, there's a way to word it. You believe that? You really believe I don't love you? And that opens up the conversation. They may say, well, of course, I know you don't love me because if you loved me, he would say it again, you would remember. And then, of course, you go right back. You really think if I don't remember something, it's because I don't love you. This causes them to hopefully expand their mind a little bit so that they're not stuck in that insecure space. That's where comments like this or questions like this typically come from, is an insecure space. If you really loved me, you would have done this. And of course, it's not all about that one incident. I mean, they usually don't mean it's about that one incident. They just generalize it into one incident to really drive a point home. And it usually does. It drives the point right home. But it's an unfair way to do it. It does not open it up for healthy communication. It just causes you to be defensive and hurt and 
that's not a good place to be. So be careful about those presuppositions, those things that presuppose that you are or aren't something or you feel a certain way or you don't feel a certain way. Anything that sounds like they believe something about you that isn't true and in order for you to respond to it, it assumes that it is true. There's more to it. I can't really get into too many details because uh, I don't have the time to expand on that, but I'm hoping that I got some of that point across. I do want to say a couple other things about how he words things. And this is, like I said, the main point I want to make in this segment, at least, is that the way he says things is it sounds like it's always and only pointing the finger at you about what you're doing and what you mean and how hurtful you're being and how forgetful you are and you have a problem. It's all about you. So what's interesting is that he is not saying things in an I feel way or when you do that, it makes me feel this way. That's going to be the most important thing for healthy communication. If you're interested in healthy communication or what some people might consider non-volatile communication, there's other ways to look at it. You have to remember, or he has to remember, that every time you express something that somebody else does, you start with how it affects you. And you might have to finish with how it affects you. You might have to just say, that affects me, and this is how it affects me. I mean, you wouldn't use those words. But when you do something that hurts him, I would rather have him say, you know, when you forgot that, it made me feel like you didn't care about me. Now, this is a lot different than saying, when you forget, it means you don't care about me. Sounds the same, but that slight change in wording, when you forgot that, it felt like you didn't care about me. Now you can have a conversation on it. Of course I care about you. Yeah, but it felt that way. I felt like you weren't thinking about me and what you were working on was more important. Now you can talk about it. And hopefully he's open enough to have a conversation on this where instead of painting you in a corner or labeling you or telling you what you feel or telling you what you think, which he couldn't know anyway, instead of all of that, he would be open enough and vulnerable enough to share how your behavior affected him so that you could comment on it from there instead of him pointing the finger and telling you what and who you are. We want to avoid any kind of conversation where we're pointing a finger at someone and saying, you are this and you don't love me and you don't care about me. We want to avoid that because we want to hear it from their own mouth. This is something that sometimes destroys relationships as arguments that just point fingers and say, you're doing this and that means this and you're a bad person and you're this and you're that. Instead of saying, you know, when you do this, this is how I'm affected. This is what's happening inside of me right now. I feel alone. I feel like I'm not a part of this relationship. I feel sad. I feel disrespected. I feel undervalued. I feel like I'm not worthy in your eyes. I feel like I'm not important. I mean, Jane, if you're listening, imagine he said that instead. Imagine if he said, you know, when you're working on, I'm just going to make stuff up. When you're working on the computer and you say, okay, I'll, I'll take care of that in five minutes and you don't do it and it's important to me, it makes me feel like your computer work or your social media friends are more important than I am. And that hurts. I don't like that feeling. I just want to share that with you because I want to tell you, how I'm affected and why I get into a bad mood. So when I lay out that scenario, Jane, how does that make you feel? Does that make you feel defensive or does that make you feel different? I mean, if I'm in your shoes, Jane, I'm feeling self-reflective. I'm thinking, oh, geez, you know, I, I don't want to make him feel bad. That's not my intention at all. I feel really bad about that. I mean, not that I'm trying to make you feel bad about it, but it's your choice of where to go with that because all he's doing is expressing himself and how he feels and not telling you how you feel, which he can't do. And this is why you probably get defensive because he's telling you how you feel and what you think and what you should be doing instead, instead of allowing you to determine what you should be doing instead and allowing you to feel what you actually feel 
instead of trying to install feelings in you, he's not having an open or healthy enough conversation to allow this to blossom into a loving, connecting, heated discussion. (laughs) It can still be heated. It can still have feelings. It can still have some tense moments. But at least you're giving each other an opportunity to express what's going on inside. He should be able to express what's going on inside of him. And then you at that moment would have an opportunity to express what's going on inside of you. And then there would be a conversation. This, to me, is the best way to, quote, start a healthy argument. Not that I want you to argue, but sometimes it's unavoidable. It's always good when both people can say, you know, when you did that, it made me feel this way. And it made me think that you didn't care. And I'm not saying that you do or you don't. I'm just saying this is how I felt and this is what I thought when it happened. And this is why I got upset. That is one of the healthiest ways to convey information in any type of relationship where there's a loving connection already and you want to keep that loving connection. That is one of the best ways to do it. And there are other ways too, but in the context of this message, that is one of the healthiest ways to do it. And you know, Jane has it tough because Jane's the one writing me, not him. He might hear me say that and go, well, that's not my job, or he may not want to listen to what I have to say. I mean, she got a big score in the MEAN workbook. MEAN stands for Manipulation and Emotional Abuse Number. It's a score, and that score is pretty high. So this tells me that there's more going on in this relationship than Jane has written about, and I know she could probably fill up a book with all the stuff that might be going on. But yes, this kind of behavior where she feels like, well, maybe I'm not being sensitive enough. Maybe I'm not doing the right things or saying the right things. I'm here to say that there's usually always more you can do, but it has to be done by both of you. It's almost never one person's job. It's almost never one person that has to work on the relationship. It's almost always both people. Even if Jane wrote to me and says, I am the abusive one, I always abuse him, I am the one who causes him to feel pain all the time, I would still say he has work to do. Because if he is not standing up to you, enforcing his personal boundaries and telling you to back down, then he has work to do too. Somebody like that could say, I'm the victim here. I don't want to be abused. She needs to change. She needs to fix herself. And if you plan on staying in this relationship... You need to stand up to her and tell her that behavior is not acceptable. It's not. And if you do it again, there will be consequences. That sounds like a threat. That sounds evil. That sounds like something that a conflict-averse person would never do. Now, switching roles on you, Jane, here, because you said you were conflict-averse. But let's just say that he was conflict-averse and you were the abusive one. I would tell him, look, Jane is going to work on herself. So she's going to work on her abusive behavior. And you are going to work on your boundaries. And when you see abusive behavior, when you experience it, you're going to say, no, that's not acceptable. I won't allow that behavior in my life. You may not use those words. You may use a different approach. But what it is, is you're starting to grow into your worth. You're starting to grow into your importance, your significance, your lovableness, your amazingness. You are worth standing up for. You are worth enforcing your boundaries for both partners in any relationship when there are problems have work to do even the person who believes they are the victim has work to do and even the people that really are victims i mean there are some really bad relationships out there and there are real victims to bad behavior and their work might not be about standing up for themselves against them it might be standing up for themselves for themselves It might be taking a stand and walking away. That can happen too. And sometimes it needs to happen. And sometimes it takes time for that to happen. Sometimes if you want to make an exit, you have to plan it. Sometimes it takes time and energy and understanding. So you have to figure this stuff out as you go. But my point is, it's never one person's job to improve the relationship. It is always both people's job. So Jane, you wrote to me, you asked these questions, you presented your challenge here. You have things to work on, and he has things to work on. And if only one of you is working on things, if you said, okay, I have to work on a lot of stuff, 
I'm going to work on being less forgetful. I'm going to set reminders. I'm going to put sticky notes on my computer monitor. I'm going to do all this stuff. And he's doing nothing to be less hurtful or at least improve how he communicates and how he conveys information. Then what you're doing, I hate to say it, doesn't matter. Because he's not invested in it anymore. He's just waiting for you to change so that his life will get better, which means you have to conform to everything he wants. And I have a feeling that there's more going on in this relationship. Well, I don't have a feeling. I could tell by your score. There's a lot more going on in this relationship. You may already have challenges that you have not been able to overcome. And you may not be able to overcome because he has found ways to make you feel guilty, has found ways to make you feel responsible, to make you feel like you're the only one who can fix things. You know, the mean workbook gets into all that, as you know, Jane. But my point is you go into it together and you work on things together. And if you're not together, it doesn't work. There has to be a relationship thing. If you're not supporting each other and being open-minded about what you need to do to make some changes and to improve yourself, then it's not a relationship. You're not relating to each other. You're not relating with each other. It's not equal. It's just a dominant and a submissive or a controller and a passive person. And most relationships can't survive that dynamic. If you have that kind of dynamic and one person doesn't want to be the submissive one and the other person doesn't mind being the controlling one and even likes it, it's just not going to work out. The controlling one might like it, but the person who's being submissive or feels like they have no choice but to submit and conform, they're not going to be happy. The love is going to diminish, and of course the controlling person isn't really showing you a healthy love, which is supporting your happiness, supporting your decisions, and talking through things, working it out together, knowing they'll always have issues to work on, just like I know me, Paul, has issues to work on still. I can't come on the air and tell you I am perfect and this is how you do things because I don't believe anybody is that way. I believe we always have issues to work on and when they come up, they're an opportunity to learn and grow and heal and evolve. They're opportunities all the time. It's just that when we choose to be blind to these opportunities, that's when relationships start to fail. That's when things dissolve. So, Jane, I hope this helps, and anyone that's listening, I hope it helps. Every time he's pointing the finger at you and telling you what you need to do and calling you names, there's some more stuff I didn't even address, calling you names, that's a lot to deal with, and you may need to put your foot down eventually and say, you know what, that's enough. You can even say, you're right, I was forgetful, and that was probably a pretty crappy thing for me to do, and I'm very sorry about that. But it has nothing to do with how much I love you, and I certainly don't deserve to be called those names, so don't ever call me that again, or I'm out of here. You may have to stand up like that, because if he really has abandonment issues, that's going to scare the hell out of him. <laughs> it's going to be like, wait, wait, don't leave. Okay, okay, I'll be better. I'll be nicer. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying that someday you might feel the need to do that. Again, I hope this helps. And thank you so much again, Jane, for writing. I wish you the best. I wish you much strength through this. When we come back, I'll say my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you about our sponsor, Plush Care. Go to plushcare.com forward slash brain and schedule a virtual appointment today. It is a really cool way, a really convenient way to see a doctor and just get stuff done. Plushcare.com forward slash brain. And I want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the patrons who decided to join the membership over at moretob.com. They are the financial contributors to the show and they also get all the episodes and workbooks that I put over at MoreTOB. And some of them have been supporting this show for years. I am so grateful. Everyone that is able to give anything really helps keep this show going. I mean, we've been doing this for seven years. Seven years! That's crazy. That's so amazing when I think about it because I don't think I've ever lasted anywhere seven years. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a job. Not that I call this a job, but 
it is really it's my life it's my life's work i guess uh i don't mean to minimize it i guess but uh, i think it's amazing that i am here for seven years continuing to do this show and it has been mainly because of financial support you know sponsors absolutely help but having patrons individual listeners want to give back just floors me it makes me so grateful and i hear from people all the time wanting to give back i even heard from someone today saying i can't give back because my country doesn't allow me to use your payment system or something like that something about sanctions and i thought wow i i don't even know how to help you there but she asked well maybe i can share it on instagram you know share your quotes and your show and i told her of course you can anything is helpful everything you do to get the show out there to the masses, you know, telling friends and they tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on. Everything is helpful and a way to support the show. And I am grateful, grateful, grateful. So thank you. And the patrons this week are Clarissa, Daisy. She just joined. Really great to have you on, Daisy. Thank you for your support. Stephen, been around for many years. I appreciate you, Stephen. These names come up every week and tell me who's supporting the program. It's, it's just great to see these people. Alexa, thank you so much. Brian and Brad. Brad's been around for years, too. I am grateful for all of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And if you want to give back, if you want to give a one-time donation or become a monthly contributor, head over to moretob.com. And you'll see some options there. And uh, I do want to make a special mention. I don't know if I thanked her before. It was way down in my email. Natalia made a one-time donation a month or two ago. I am so grateful, Natalia. Thank you so much. If I already thanked you, then consider this a double thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you. And if I hadn't thanked you, then I apologize for the delay in doing it. Thank you again, and uh, every patron, every person that donates, and everyone that uses the Amazon button at theoverwhelmedbrain.com, and everyone sharing the show and telling others about the show, and especially everyone that gets value from the show and is actually improving their life in some way, helps my cause. Yes, that's my cause. If your life improves, my cause is being supported. I know it's a little strange when I say it that way, but you are supporting the show when you improve yourself. And I hear from people all the time saying, I love your show and this is what's happening in my life. And I get so fulfilled. My heart just fills up. And believe me, that is a great way to support me as well, is just improving yourself and having a better life, having better relationships, being able to stand up for yourself, stand up for your boundaries and take charge of your life and stop letting other people control you stop letting other people manipulate you and deceive you and con you into thinking they're good people when they're really not not everyone but some people are really not that great to be around and not very healthy for you and so sometimes we have to make those hard choices and um, go without them or stand up to them or stand up for ourselves and that is a great way to improve your life So again, thank you patrons and thank you everyone that shares the show and donates. I appreciate all of you. And I mentioned love and abuse in this episode. If you go to loveandabuse.com, you'll find about two years worth of episodes that I've talked about emotional abuse and manipulation and control, toxic relationships, poisonous communication, all that stuff can be found at loveandabuse.com. And it has become a very popular show. Emotional abuse being popular isn't something I necessarily want to see. It is something I want to eliminate. But that's why I have that show. And I want to eliminate all this toxicity. I'll never be able to do it. But I'm going to do my part, damn it. (laughs) I'm going to do my part. And put as much information out there that hopefully helps you stay safe and stay out of bad relationships. Whether that's romantic, platonic, or in family. There's always somebody out there that's going to come along and try to ruin your day or your life. And I don't want that to happen to you. Check out loveandabuse.com if you're dealing with anything like that. And finally, I want to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. To close the show, there's about three emails I'm going to read really quick here and make a quick comment on each. This one says, Hi, Paul. I hope you're well. I just finished listening to Sunday's podcast, and it was amazing as ever. What I've been through over the last several months would never have been possible without you. 
I did what I did by using multiple tools that you mentioned on your show, including where you make a circle and put everything in your life around it. Oh, I just talked about that last week. Uh, that is the happiness mind map. He said it was very helpful. Everything you said in Sunday's podcast hit the nail on the head so much that I even shed a tear. As for inspiration, it was you. You inspired me with your stories and life experiences and the way you explained things in a caring and understanding way also played a positive part. And you're right, I felt so lost and so stuck, but thanks to you, I never gave up and I kept pushing and taking tiny steps till I was ready for a big leap. Thank you, Paul, from the bottom of my heart, you really saved me. Much love. Wow, I just love messages like this. Thank you so much for sharing that. I always try to be very humble when I get messages like this. It is a big boost to my spirit. It's a big boost sometimes to my ego because I think, oh, wow, this guy listened to me and he improved his life. Or girl, I'm not sure it might be a girl. At the same time, I remember to humble down and remember that I didn't do any of the work. He had to do all this work. The person that writes something like this has to do all the work. The work is the hard part. The direction, I can sit behind the mic and give you direction all day long. But to take a step in that direction, that takes courage. That takes confidence. That takes self-esteem and knowing that you're worthy of taking those steps. Knowing that you're worthy of the destination. That can be huge. That can take a while to get to. And like he said, he had to take a lot of baby steps to get there. And sometimes that's what it takes. But as long as you're moving in the right direction, even baby steps, you keep the momentum. You start it and you keep it and you keep going. As long as you're continually moving in that direction, you keep the momentum. Regardless if it takes you a day, a year, or 10 years, keep moving in the direction that you want to go. And you'll be exactly where this person is. And you'll always have a more solid foundation to rise from every next day, if that makes sense. Meaning, when you accomplish something small today, you put another brick in the foundation and you'll be able to have a more solid foundation for tomorrow so you can take a bigger leap or a bigger step forward. Or you'll take one more big step on that path to your destination and you'll be that much closer to your destination. So thank you for that message. Let me read another one real quick. Just came across your blog today, right at the right time. Your post about emotional abuse deeply resonated with me and dragged me out of a depressive episode this morning. I'm 24 and I was just dumped by a wonderful partner about a month ago. What you described in the post was pretty much exactly what happened in our relationship. My lack of boundaries led me to behave in toxic ways and she couldn't stick around on the hope that I'd heal and be able to stop my toxic behaviors sometime soon. Hurts like hell. I knew my behavior was toxic, but I just couldn't seem to get it under control during the relationship. My boundary issues, I believe, were the crux of what was going on. My complete lack of boundaries had me too focused on her and controlling her. I dragged down her sense of self-worth, and I made her feel like she was walking around on eggshells. But whenever she told me this, I couldn't really empathize. I either didn't get it or told her she was being overly sensitive. There's that word again, sensitive. The hardest thing is realizing that her leaving the relationship and her completely cutting me out of her life may be the right thing for her to do and just respecting that. It's just that every time I have a moment, I think like when I'm reading your post this morning and I gain more insight into my toxic behavior, I immediately want to reach out to her and tell her, I see it now, I know what to do, please come back. But then again, I likely cannot guarantee that none of my behaviors will ever be triggered again, can I? So perhaps I do just need to let her be and finally respect her boundaries all I know, it hurts like hell right now, and she is such a beautiful soul, and I have never felt love and warmth the way I did with her. I felt like I had a warm and loving family for the first time in my life. I would give anything in the world to be able to return that same level of love and warmth to her, but what if I'll never be able to? I'll likely never find out because I doubt she'll ever let me in again. But anyway, your post really helped me gain perspective and focus on what I need to do. Heal. Just wanted to drop you a line and tell you how much reading that piece helped me this morning. Thank you for giving me hope and making me come to terms with the fact that I'm a good person who just happened to display some toxic behaviors. Okay, what an amazing message. And it's, yes, it's hard. And I'm so sorry you had to go through this. But it's wonderful to hear that you admit that you were doing behavior that was hurtful and you are actually working on that behavior. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier. If that guy in Jane's life 
could read the post that you're talking about. Um, I think that post is called My Journey from Being an Emotional Abuser. In fact, uh, if you look up in Google, My Healing Journey, that's what it's called, My Healing Journey from Being an Emotional Abuser, it'll be like the second one on the list. If he read that and he got out of it what you did, maybe he could come to terms with his own behavior and start to heal from what was happening. That article is something I was very transparent and very open, very vulnerable, because I know some people will read it and go, what? You were emotionally abusive? I'll never listen to you again. I hope that's not true, because I've gone through a lot of healing, and I believe I have a lot of information that can be helpful to anyone who was in the situation that I was in back then, and it sounds like this person did benefit from that, but lost a relationship before it could be saved, just like I lost my marriage before I could heal. And so this is what happens, is that love will diminish and dissolve when we have a controlling partner or a judgmental person in our life and they're just always telling us what to do or they're making us feel bad about ourselves, that diminishment that uh, completely slices love in half and closes people's hearts, that's one thing that causes relationships to fail. And I don't want that to happen. I want people to heal through their, their stuff. And I want to thank this person for writing and, and I wish you much healing through this. I wish you strength through this. I believe you're doing everything right and you're supporting her path even though it hurts and that is probably the hardest part. I get it. But good for you. Thank you so much for writing that. And last email, it's very short. Your podcast is helping me so much to understand what I'm going through right now. I am 14 years into an on-off relationship with my husband. It never occurred to me that people actually are like this, but hearing you explain it makes it crystal clear to me. I am seeing so much of the game. Thank you. What you're doing is helping people I've already sent it to a few others I know too. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I am so sorry that you have to learn the game from me. <laughs> Meaning, I talk about the game, which is the tactics that manipulative and controlling people use on their partners to get submission, to get conformity. And that game, once you know the behaviors, once you see them, you can't unsee them, first of all. And also, you stop reacting the way you used to react because the way you used to react, just like I was talking about in the first and second segment of this episode, actually exacerbates the situation, makes it worse because you're reacting the same way to their behavior, almost feeding their behavior. It's like they expect you to react a certain way. So that's why they do their behavior because you're reacting that way. So that's kind of the last comment I want to make on uh, everything that we talked about today is sometimes our reaction to someone's bad behavior facilitates their behavior. It amplifies their behavior. It feeds their behavior. It is the fuel to the fire for their behavior, which is why they keep doing it. So think about how you respond to things the next time you respond to someone's bad behavior and ask yourself, how else could I respond to this? How else should I respond to this? Or maybe the, a more pointed question, which is, is my response feeding into this game that's being played right now? They may not be playing a real, quote, game. It may not be a game to them. It just may be a manipulation or a tactic or a bad behavior that they don't even know they're doing. It could just be an argument that you get into and, they, and neither of you realize what's happening. But you feed into the argument typically with the same responses that you've been doing and sometimes just like I was talking about in today's episode it might be time to change those responses so maybe there's some food for thought as you go forward in your days and weeks and hopefully you tune in next time we have this show next Sunday I hope you do always good to connect with you and always keep an open mind and step into your power because this is what helps you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. <music>